This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Marcus, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Welcome to another edition of the Sea to Sky podcast. My name is Marcus. I'm sitting with Bianca Peters. Thank you for joining me today, Bianca. Thank you, Marcus. And uh, you're running for council, and you're one of 22 running for council. That's uh, quite a number. Actually, 22 is about the average, right? That's what I hear. 22 <laughs> is about the I know five mayoral candidates is is quite a bit. I think the most we've had was three, maybe once four in recent history. Right. But a council, 20 seems to be the, about the number, but then when the incumbents decide to come through the door, you see numbers dropping off at that point, and then usually the incumbents have the, the direct line in. They're usually the ones reelected. Correct. So since we have hardly any incumbents this time around. Five spots. We have, uh, well, Doug Race. That's assuming Doug Race is in. I'm making it. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming that Doug will be there. We need to have the Grand Master. Right. Don't and we? And of course, we have two incumbents running for mayor. So that leaves you combating for five spots with 21 other folk. Hooray. And what makes you stand out from the other 21? Well, I've got 20 years experience living and working in this community, so I have a sense of history. But as well as that, I've had some the opportunities, some great opportunities of working in the community. Of course, um, I first met you when I was working for Shaw TV, and for the five years that I was a producer and reporter for Shaw TV, I had a great experience meeting with the politicians, meeting with the movers and the shakers, following the issues of the day, uh, getting quite familiar with them, um, getting involved, and so that was a great backdrop to. Uh, starting, you know, an interest in politics locally. Um, as well as that, I worked on the City Sky Highway Improvement Project uh, leading up to the Olympics and had a great opportunity to engage with stakeholders from Lions Bay all the way up to Whistler. So I'm well versed in the highway. So we can talk about that a little later we'll when we get, get to, to transit, transportation yeah. and sure. links and connectivity. Um, and working with the downtown Squamish BIA, of course, um, it wasn't just all about events. People talk about my events. I'm very proud of my events. Um, it wasn't just all events. It was also zoning, um, beautification, crime prevention, uh, dealing with new developers, um, supporting businesses, advocating for them. And uh, I'm drum beating right now about parking. Yeah. Um, that's one of my big issues that I started with the BIA. Um, you've, you know, you've come over to my home. I personally have two parking spots, as you see. Actually, I have three to accommodate. <laughs> so when that issue came on my, on my lap, um, we created a parking committee. It wasn't about me and my feelings about parking per se. It was about my membership. Right. And um, you know, for economic development, if you've got people coming downtown and they have to circle around four times to try to get a parking spot. At some point, your your customer oh, is yeah. going to say, "I've had enough." And especially if we're talking about densification, and all these buildings are building up, right. and then you know you have one parking spot for two to three bedroom apartments, right? Or condos, and that's just going to just add to the congestion. So we'll get into that as well. But let's not forget, you've been part of the Squamish Historical Society, correct? Uh, and I'm, and you have your own uh, communications company now that I dealt do. with the summer street market. Uh, and I also have a publication called Taste of Squamish yeah. that uh, covers all, everything. Eat, drink, play, stay. Tasteofsquamish.com so and the magazine. pretty much involved in a lot of facets within Squamish. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the, the transportation since you, you, uh, you, you were beating on the parking and, and the transportation first? So let's, let's work on the densification of downtown. Certainly. There's a lot of work in the pipeline for downtown and we're looking at buildings possibly i don't know five six stories right um, and we're looking at a lot of infill yeah 
do you see that as, as a concern or, or when you look at the OCP, that's what it calls for, for smart growth. Is this a concern for you watching that, uh, all that growth happen downtown? Or do you think we should basically maybe slow that down a bit? Do you think we can slow it down when we've got all these permits out there for thousands and thousands of units? Um, that's a really good question. That was one of the things that we had to deal with. And in, in, I, I, I was with the BIA from 2014 until the end of 2017. Um, that was some of the things that we had to talk about, um, serious issues about like, um, what do you call it, setbacks, height restrictions. But that being said, I was back, I was here 20 years and back, and I think it was 2003, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure one of your listeners will in the <laughs> comment section below. But we actually uh, did this sort of... Um, what is it? It was a, not a study so much. It was a community engagement with the Fraser Basin Council. And it was a smart growth on the ground. And uh, we set out the parameters for how we wanted to see our community come online, uh, taking into account the Squamish Oceanfront. This is before we, um, quote unquote, gave away that land. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And that's another conversation we can have. Uh, <clears throat> right. <clears throat> anyway. Um, and so I'm, I'm, my concern has been that we've we've kind of set our we've set a journey for ourselves um back in the day and we keep deviating from that plan and you know i have utmost respect for the staff at the district of squamish but to be honest with you i about a year and a half ago sat in a room with some planners we were talking about height restrictions and setbacks and bike lanes and all that and i i referenced the smart growth in the ground because everyone throws around smart growth this term smart growth but we actually had a plan and i actually printed it off and have been reviewing it um it's about 200 page document you can find at squamish.ca and one of the things that we're we're we were actually trying to um deal with was like viewscapes right Right. well that's been thrown out the window yeah if you're five or six stories and you're walking down cleveland you won't really see the chief no we're not going to see the chief anymore and um and then back to the whole parking thing it's like my 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 mantra right now when i talk to people about the direction of squamish is we are not vancouver and that's something else that you know people refer to out of the district or developers the developers that are actually coming from the outside and i have nothing wrong with developers you know they're here to make a living they're here to make our community more beautiful more livable and all that sort of thing yeah. but when they start saying you know but in vancouver you only need this many parking spots and in vancouver right. vancouver we're not Vancouver, and that's the thing that's attractive about they, Squamish. They have amenities and infrastructure. They're they do. We're, we're right, and and I, you know, when people say, "Ooh, we're going to be thirty thousand, well, we're not going to be one point two million. Let me tell you that much. And we don't have a SkyTrain, and we don't have a, right. a a bus service that connects everybody to different communities. You know, we're thirteen kilometers long in a valley with different. I would say suburbs, um, like Valley Cliff, Valley Cliff, Brackendale, you know, downtown. There's these little pockets within our little paradise that we live in. Mm-hmm. And um, we've got to consider that, consider that um, a lot. And we don't. I don't think we do. And so when developers have come in and they talk about parking or they talk about height or they talk about whatever, they're always referring to Vancouver. And I think we've got to stop that mindset put a pause on that thought, right? right? And we've got to discuss being Squamish. What do we need? What are our needs in Squamish? And I don't think we're looking at it from that point of view at all. 
Well, I mean, a lot of the stuff that's going in downtown now is pretty much, are they all signed, sealed, and delivered? We're just waiting for them to start digging? Or is there still some projects that we can, like, would you put on hold or? Oh, no, I don't. I do. See, that's not the role of council to put plans on hold once they've been given the go ahead, right? Um, and as well as that, like, for example, um, when I was in the downtown BIA, uh, one of the big things over the next, like, the three years I was there, uh, and we went through two developer developers that came through. Um, Andrew Sinclair was the first one for the Jumar. Mm-hmm. Um, that was quite contentious. Was and so, you know, whether whether I like the project personally or not, like once again, I don't have a child at that school, so I could completely understand what the parents were going through. Well, if you want to drive downtown, never mind having a child at that school. Right, exactly. But the thing is, um, like the first go around with the Jiffy Lube, right? It wasn't zoned for the Jiffy Lube. So to bring it to council and say, you know, can we have a Jiffy Lube there? Well, it wasn't zoned for it. So council can say, no, we're not going to rezone you. And that's another education. I've had is on rezoning like with the the zones right and so then when um when the the wave came in um they came in to do Jumar um and people were in opposition of it and calling on council to say no 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 well council couldn't say no because that project actually felt filled the zoning requirements so I know I, I mean I've actually spoken to the architect of the project um and you know they've done their best to try to accommodate that piece of land uh, so, you know, it's a free and open market. Yeah, there's, yeah, council seems to have, uh, you know, the only time council can come in and make a decision is whether rezoning or upzoning. If it's zoned for a certain thing right. and, and you can't really say no, it's it's one of those things where the people sort of have to say no. And if there is a sort of a, a motion to stop it, then they sort of have to listen to the people and not and not issue permits. That's where it gets a bit dicey. Yeah. But it's one of those things where why was it zoned that way? Exactly. Right. Exactly. And and that's the thing about, you know, looking back at that smart growth Fraser Basin Council study mm-hmm. is that you know you now look at Squamish now and and we also go through an iteration of new uh, leadership in terms of staff and each person brings their own vision to the table right and you know they've come from somewhere else with their own skill set and their own strengths and weaknesses and so if they're not aware of the quote unquote studies or you know recommendations that have happened in the past it's kind of becoming to me, like a bit of a quilt, a patchwork quilt mm-hmm. throughout our community. Well, this is why we have the OCP, right? Yeah, sort of, exactly. Sort of not have the patchwork anymore. Well, we no, no. I, I still, I, I, I see the OCP as uh, the best, the best iteration that it can be today. But it's a living document. It's not something that you. It's black and white, and you have to. It's a checklist. Um, it's something where if someone comes in and it's good, a good fit for the community, and it makes more sense, and the community is behind it, then of course you should be able to adjust the OCP, right? Oh, I agree. But I mean, there's certain things that for the OCP that should be at least a reference or a mindset. Absolutely, or, or not a mindset, but like a guideline. Mm-hmm. You know, a guideline. It's not a black and white guideline, but it's still a guideline Mm -hmm. and when you look at development downtown the OCP says we need to fill in the downtown right because we don't want that urban sprawl and mainly because of our amenity issues yeah so when you're building downtown I mean they they were we're doing the infill we're building the buildings and now it's a question of okay once the buildings are there how are we gonna park I mean that's that's your expertise you know where are we gonna park these cars how are we gonna move cars through especially if we have one way in one way I was just gonna say even a railway coming across it right what if that that I, I remember it hasn't happened as often as before but i remember back in the day the train used to sometimes get stuck across yeah. that crossing for and it was 20 while. minutes sometimes it would just sit there and right and if that happens at the, at the nine o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the afternoon right. when school's going in and out and, and the jumar is there 
wow, we have um, a cluster something. And, and, and it just becomes a mess. Mm. And then downtown, for that matter, too, once we have those buildings infilled, and how are you supposed to, like, we're supposed to revive the economy downtown, but to take transit, like, you're, you're a mom, and, and I, I, have, I have two kids. If, imagine having to, you know, they say, don't get on the bus. So for me and my wife to get my kids and everybody on a bus to go downtown, it's not really feasible if I'm just going to get a few things, right? Yeah, but Marcus, if we're going to talk about like transportation and let's just be realistic, do you take the bus? No. No, you don't. Okay. Well, my, my husband loves to take the bus with my daughter my, my <laughs> and, it, and it's fun. My but that, too, but yeah. that being said, um, Chamber of Commerce, I've stepped down from the Chamber of Commerce uh, for a leave of absence to, because uh, you, know, you, you were a worthy opponent, uh, Marcus. Uh, <laughs> I won, you didn't. But um, uh, <laughs> we won't go there. We won't go there. But one of the things that we, we, we talked about in our policy, our policy committee is um, the fact that 45% of people that live in our community are commuting every day. So when we're talking about transportation, and once again, kudos to the council and the staff that have done a great job with trying to deal with transit in our local community, that doesn't service us for the 45% of our community Mm -hmm. that is moving north or south every day to get to work, to make sure that they make enough money to make their mortgage payments and get their kids into hockey or soccer or whatever else. Mm -hmm. So it's not realistic back to the whole, the whole gestalt, the whole holistic approach is, you know, um, totally supportive of the environment. I think we need to look at innovation and car sharing and all that sort of thing. But right now, let's just take off the blinders and let's just be realistic and realize that we need to support local businesses so that people can work and live and play in our community. And of course, then that goes off into volunteerism as well. Yeah. We've lost a lot of volunteers in been, our community because of that. Too. I've been harping on that a lot about too, right. with, with, uh, with the other candidates saying, you know, we have a lot of commuters in town and, you know, I thought you spend all week commuting and working when you go home you're just going to chill go for a bike ride hang with your family yeah. and we've lost a lot of big events because of that we've lost uh, the children's festival and the fall fair because of lack of volunteer exactly exactly and I, i've also found that too and when i did the squamish street market i mean i really appreciate the volunteers i did have but honestly i had to pay some people because otherwise they don't have the time in their lives or the commitment to support those sorts of things Mm -hmm. and so yeah we've got to be realistic and we have to figure out a way to make economic development a number one priority because once we start having people living and working and playing in place like Mm -hmm. it was historically then um then we can put the the horse before the cart historically though we've had it was a, you know, a logging town and wood fiber. Those were used to be the people that work here. They used to work together. And, and the railway. Go, and the railway. But I mean, it, it was two main industries. Everyone Three. worked together. <laughs> Everyone worked together. Everyone played together. Now we yeah. have a bit of a diversification of terms of, of, of population and where mm-hmm. they work and what they do. Right. So if you're talking about bringing in economy and, and building jobs here and, and bringing uh, jobs here, are we looking at inviting companies to come here or growing from within? I think it's a bit of both. It's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the things I feel, because I do have a lot of friends that are politicians or people that work for politicians, and I've actually asked them, like, how have you done it in, say, Port Coquitlam, or how are you doing it in West Vancouver, or how are you doing it in downtown? Well, first and foremost, mayor and council are the face of our community, and uh, we should be going out, and we should be inviting people to our community. Um, You know, we have an, an OCP. We know where people can go 
um, where they can set up shop. I think we're kind of limited in that too. So we're going to have to review well, some of that. space is an issue. Space is an issue. I'm, you would know that. You're a business person as well. And I have know that from the BIA and doing street market. We've got, you know, some cracks that we're going to have to fix in the whole economic situation for setting up businesses. But, um, but definitely we need to figure out who we want to be in our community, to represent our business community as an anchor right? An anchor tenant, if you will. Um, and then we should pound the pavement and go out and say, come on over, check us out. Well, how would you incentivize them then? Say I have a business and I have 20 employees and I'm sort of recreational technology and I'm based in Vancouver and you say, come to me to Squamish. And uh, my question is, okay, what kind of incentives you can give me? In my opinion, I don't think we have any incentives to give apart from, Hey, we're Squamish is beautiful up here. I mean, in terms of tax incentives. And, sure, and tax and, incentives, certainly. Because, um, because, I mean, we don't have really the amenities. And I actually, mean, and that's a very that's a very good comment, Marcus, because of the fact that, as well as that, I've spoken to some local real estate agents, too. And, um, like, anything from zoning to the size of what is being built and inventory and mm-hmm. the bureaucracy that's outdated. I mean... I just did a Sea to Sky uh, business crawl the other day, hosted by Darren McCartney yeah. through the Squamish Chamber of Commerce, right? And so we have all these huge big businesses coming into town, but we also have to realize who is our economy. Um, it looks to me like we like to drink a lot of beer. Um, we like cider, right? They, they say we actually, like outdoor rec. They, they say actually uh, you're, the viability or the, the viability of a, of a community is based on their craft brewery market. So since we, have, like, we're th- great. since we have tons of them, that means there's lots of viability here. People love being here. But yes, it, you know, but what some candidates would say, the fact that we have a craft brewery place in our industrial park yeah. is probably one of the issues that we're facing. That's exactly it. Yeah. Why are why do we have to have a, like this is supposed to be an industrial park? This is for light industry, right? That's yeah. supposed to be the but instead it, it's breweries, it's bicycles, it's this. That doesn't say that that's a bad thing. It just means that there's some there's something wrong with the planning, and that's back to that patchwork quilt that we mentioned earlier when we were talking. Um, we really need to take everything into consideration. We need to be a little more objective when we're dealing with businesses per se um, and, and figure out who, who, who are we? Who are we moving forward, right? Rec tech, green technology. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd like to see innovation. I'd like to, if I were to be given, you know, uh, a ticket to go to a conference, um, I would love to go to solar, like an innovative solar panel, um, electric vehicle. Um, the future is now. I didn't coin that phrase, but it's quite applicable. The future is now. We've got climate change going on. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm finding the older I get with the, the younger children I keep having, um, you know, I, I, uh, I really am becoming green, even though I, I think I'm a liberal conservative, right? I'm a business person. I still think that there's a benefit to having innovators coming into our community. Um, and then that's the thing is that when we bring the innovators, uh, for example, a solar panel company, uh, why can't we put them in the business park and, and they can employ people? And then once we have that within our community, um, then we can realize what kind of incentives can we do when we've got something homegrown and local in our community. It makes more sense that way. I agree. And there are some companies here, though, that are just, they're just, they just need room to grow. They just need that opportunity. There's, Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of businesses in the business park that would just love to sell their stuff out of their front door, but they can't because they're in the business park. Exactly. Um, so it's, it's, but there, there's also a lot of professionals that work in this, in this, uh, in this town that commute. Well, so, I mean, I, I always threw this question out to the other candidates as well. Like, should we just get a giant office tower so these people can work there? Or are we looking at towers? Are we looking at, uh, when you're talking about, um, building businesses, like where are you going to place everybody? Are we looking at building up where the industrial lands is, or are we talking about going 
going to BC rail yards and building in there? Well, um, I believe that's why we have an OCP and um, we are building within the official community plan and, and there's different designations with different heights, different setbacks, that sort of thing. Well, a and, and a BC rail, because that's, that's yeah. one for me. That would be also one that I would like to, I'd like that in my portfolio if I should win, um, let the mayor know. I would love to be able to knock on the doors of BC rail and say, what are you doing to your land? This is a perfect opportunity for us to be utilizing your land and um, we're not. They're not returning phone calls, mm -hmm. right? Why aren't they returning phone calls? I would like to find that out if elected. <laughs> BC Rail, those lands. And, I, and I'm sure that there's some other candidates that you've probably spoken to that are very passionate about the BC Rail lands as well. well I can it, think of one in particular. Because every time I talk to them about, about bringing in business and growing business, and I say, where's the space? They, they will only actually be surprised, only a very few mentioned BC Rail. So uh, this is why I'm bringing it up because like, yeah, there's the BC Rail lands. There's the BC Rail lands, yeah. but they don't return phone calls. So it's just kicking down the door then? It's, no, you could just be, no, hello, would you like a coffee? Hello, is that Hi, here? Hi, it's Bianca calling, <laughs> right? But go in with a plan. Right. Well, speaking of businesses that are already here too, right? And because we want to diversify the economy to help alleviate some of the taxes. I mean, you're a homeowner, you understand the property taxes and the way that it's been climbing. Also, mm -hmm. being part of the BIA, you understand how... You know, businesses downtown with their BC tax assessment, their taxes went up from ten thousand to like sixteen thousand dollars exactly. because based on uh, the development potential of their lands. And this is what I'm saying when you're talking about bringing in business, and and it's hard to give them. For me, it's hard to give incentives to these people or tax breaks because the taxes are so high. But yet we still need to diversify the economy. So I guess what I'm saying is, we're looking at a managed growth um, sort of mandate here right and and the thing about it is too um is that we don't know what the future is going to hold we've got we've got people coming online with permits but if the market goes down which it quite possibly could mm -hmm. um i can see that coming i mean you've been here a long time i've been here 20 years we've had about three or four downturns um a lot of i remember you know we were having you know wine and cheese and all this sort of thing back in the uh mid 2000s right and all of a sudden boom ghost town again there was nothing going on nothing moving at all and that's what the council of the next council is p probably gonna have to deal with i think it's the interim too that the candidates are yeah. all talking about the future i'm i'm also concerned about interim so like i said these businesses with the high taxes mm -hmm. what do you what do you say to them are you going to try and change things up with bc assessments or what, what can we do to help them in the interim well i think it's also advocacy and that was my frustration when i was with the bia when i left the bia was the fact that there's you know i love the new faces in the community but a lot of the people that have the um the power at the board level um they're looking out for their own self-interest. Um, they don't particularly care. They are coming in to make their money and um, go home. And that's the thing about developers. They're, they're not evil people. They have a bottom line, right? right? So when you're advocating for businesses, you know, you should probably be able to step back from your self-interest and to represent the business community for what they need. A lot of the people on Cleveland Avenue do not own their own storefronts. Um, you know, aside from taxes, which of course are a big issue, um, they don't feel secure in their business location even. Like, how, how are you feeling about yours, Marcus? Are you, have you my, signed a long-term lease? My, I, my development is, is finished though. It's finished, so. so. I, my taxes are pretty much uh, your standard uh, triple net total tax rate. Right. Um, whereas downtown is based on potential. 
Potential. Yeah. Exactly. It's based on potential. And um, and that's the fact. If if, if we've got the, uh, the District of Squamish saying that you can potentially put up 12 stories, they're not saying that, but I'm just as an example. Well, if they were to say way, yeah. they're being taxed that way because, you know, mom, pod, you know, little tiny one floor shop. Uh, if next door six stores stories go in, then, yeah, that's the way it works. Right. So that's why back to the advocacy is we saw this coming. Yeah. We saw this coming. So that's my frustration. So the decision level, and that's another reason, you know, I would like to be running for, or I'd like to be elected to council is you, like you say, let's look at the situation today. Um, let's not be depressed about yesterday, but let's just be realistic about today and work on today. Put yeah. one foot in front of the other and don't look at the pie in the sky down the line because you don't know what's going to come hit you in the face next week. Yeah, because like, like we talked about before with the infill and all the development and we want people to go downtown. We want downtown to be the main hub, especially with the waterfront. But if businesses can't survive, we, there's where's the draw exactly and that's why I would like to work with stakeholders we've got tourism Squamish we've got the Squamish Chamber of Commerce we've got the downtown BIA let's use them they have the information they're representing the membership and I would like to hear more from them as I move forward and hear what their recommendations are so we keep talking about, of course, diversifying the economy and we need an injection because now we're going to move into amenities um, because, you know, Brennan Park is an issue. Yeah. Um, water and sewage is an issue. I mean, the, the, I've heard some candidates say, you know, we need to really work on turning our taps on or having our taps able to turn on in the morning. Oh, that they are. Be yeah. fair. This is where I, I declare a conflict of interest. Um, my husband works for the District of Squamish. She's the um, chief of wastewater and collections for the mm -hmm. district. Uh, I I don't see that there's that much of a problem with water mm -hmm. and um, poop. Okay. I, I don't, I, I think they're doing a great job keeping up with the demand at this point. Well, you must but other, other inch, but other things, I mean, we want to have roads that don't have potholes in them, right? We yeah. want our lights on. Um, the basic necessities of what a municipality is supposed to do is your taxes are paying for that sort of thing. So really the, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that when you turn on the water, that the water runs and we want to continue to have that. And, uh, and as, there's other amenities that we need. Like absolutely. We need to fix on and, and let's, do a few Brennan things, Park so. for sure. Um, I think we definitely need to, to look at Brennan Park. It's kind of coming to its last legs. Um, people are requesting a sheet of ice. That's 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 a that's a, a want, maybe not a need. Um, but I'm a strong believer really in with a growing community with a lot more kids. Well, coming my in. point that I'm trying to get to, Marcus, yeah. is the fact that um, in in anything that I've ever undertaken in any of my career choices in the past 20 years, I always work together with people. I'm always about leveraging relationships and making it mutually, um, you know, good for both parties. And I believe that we should be we haven't been doing a good enough job about leveraging um, our relationships with development, leveraging our relationships with people that are actually coming here and utilizing our outdoor recreation. Um, just the other night, I was trying to get it across at the all candidates meeting for sport. But, um, you know, it was only one minute I had to speak. So it's just really off the yeah. off the cuff. And now I really appreciate the opportunity to talk you with you. Do the sound bites, get in, get out. Yeah. Um, but um, when I worked for Shaw TV, one of the things I thought was very impressive for me was that I met Richard Branson and Richard Branson came out of a helicopter. He jumped out of a helicopter and he did some kiteboarding and like he did he his, like, like he does. And he told us that we were, you know, you know, he anointed us world-class kiteboarding. Well, why aren't we reaching out to somebody like Richard Branson and Virgin and saying, you know what? The Squamish Windsurf Access Society, the, Win the Access 
Sorry. Yes, you're right. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, saying like, you know what? I, I looked at their budget. They're $100,000 a year to run. 100000 That's not much for a Richard Branson, right? And we are representing his interests. So I'm not saying... I'm not going to be calling up Richard tonight and asking him to help me out to get money for them. But I'm saying that Who's they're actually funding your campaign there, Bianca. Well, really, Richard, you can give me a call anytime. 50 bucks is fine. But but really, we need to develop relationships with people that are advocates for the sport. So Richard Branson for kiteboarding or, um, you know, uh, not off the top of my head. Can I tell you uh, a mountain biker? I'm sorry. I can, I'm just thinking of Neil Kindry. Um, but, or, you know, or, people. Or yeah. So or so, you know, Sorka. Yeah. So there's there. There are people out there that have uh, a line to um, the business side. And I think that things like Brennan Park, um, you know, like that big stone, that big climbing boulder at Stan Clark Park, mm-hmm. that was paid for and donated by a business, mm-hmm. right? So I think you're looking at doing these corporate sponsorships. Corporate sponsorships, um, not just that. There's also nonprofits. One of the th- one of one of the things I'm very good at is writing grants. There's government grants. There's nonprofit grants. Um, there's opportunities there, and we need to be utilizing and leveraging every opportunity there, and not making it a burden for the taxpayer. Well, uh, you're speaking of like corporate interest and 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 bringing in some income. Yeah. Uh, let's let's just get right to it then. LNG. What about LNG? Well, what about LNG? Well, let's just be honest. The council. <laughs> I mean, right now the council has no say in it. It's a provincial and federal thing at this point. Um, what I'm kind of irritated by is boat launches. I think we're underutilized in terms of our our boating community. Um, it's a multi-billion, if not million-dollar um, industry, and we're not capitalizing on it. We don't have the infrastructure. We don't have a fuel um, a, a pump-up fuel place. Um, we're losing our boat launches, and specifically, what I'm trying to get at with LNG is Darryl Bay. Bay. And four years of not being able to access Daryl Bay, um, we're going to have to revisit that. I know we've made a decision on this, but really, we're going to have to talk about this. As well as that, um, I'm not skirting around the issue. I'm just saying it from my point of view in terms of if I were on council. um, The fact with LNG is, have we missed the boat? On I wouldn't liquid say we... natural gas. Um, I'd like to see a case study for that. Right. We're a very, sm- it's a very small um, LNG. Um, I understand that the Australia capitalized on it. Uh, one of their one of their LNG plants was called Goliath. So that kind of right. tells you um, the size of it. And uh, they made a lot of money on it, but they put a lot of money out. And uh, I'm not sure that that's going to well, be. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it, it's coming. It's a foregone conclusion because the province is is coming down. We still. I think uh, my question was going to be if we have leverage in terms of asking for tax money, because oh, okay. we because when it comes down to you know they said we're get two or three million bucks, but then uh, an assessment came down from the province saying we're we can make six to seven, or six to ten million. And it's a question of getting that proper assessment. Is that if we are beholden to them for that at this point, do, do we have the choice to sit down and say, you know what? We want the higher end of that number. Do we have that leverage? Because we always we, have that choice. Well, we haven't been at the table for the last four and years. And there we go again. Yeah. We need to be at some tables, don't we? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we want the best, the best bang for our buck from anything that comes into our community. Absolutely. We need to make deals. Now, there's been talk as well that they haven't put in their financial uh, financial paperwork through uh, or their financial investment uh, numbers through. And they've delayed construction by, um, you know, about two or four years now. They're supposed to have already been digging holes and digging that place, making it or developing it as of now. But mm-hmm. there's been delayed and delayed. If there is an opportunity to sort of say no to LNG, would you take that stance? If there was an opportunity to say no to LNG, I 
would most likely take that opportunity. Yes, I would. I would. I have a concern for the environment. Like I said, um, you know, I'm becoming greener and greener the older I get. Uh, we're at a tipping point in our in our um, in our planet, and uh, as everyone sees, we've got orcas coming back. Yeah. That being said, I, can I give some kudos to LNG? Um, one thing that was said to me, like you know, Britannia Mine Museum and L- and, and obviously wood fiber site. The one good thing about industry when they come into town now is that they have to clean up the mess that was left behind right. so thank you LNG for cleaning it up um, because now we have workers in the sound that being said if LNG, an LNG came in yeah. with huge big tankers um, then you know more and more studies show that whales and all those lovely sea creatures um, they're they move around because of sonar yeah. and so you've got this loud loud noise in the water and well, oh LNG itself will make a lot of noise because they're air yeah, cooling it exactly. and so that makes a lot of noise in the water and right? the water and yeah. the temperature but it just seems like every industry that comes in leaves a mess. Nexon left a mess. Exactly. Uh, wood fiber left a mess. You know, mm-hmm. the Britannia but, uh, uh, left a mess. The difference is, this is 2018. Yeah. We know better. Yeah. We know better. Exactly. I mean, there used to be mercury downtown, mercury plumes. There's, yep. there's people in our community who have brain cancer. There's people that have died of cancer because of Nexon. And they, they learned from that. And that's why we don't have those industries here anymore. So doesn't LNG sort of fit that model? I've already said yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> you already got me. I got you. You got me. Zinger. You got me. I'll be hearing from the LNG folk, right? I'm committed. <laughs> committed. Yes. You're welcome. Awesome. You know what I'd like to talk about? <laughs> All right. Let's talk about um, transportation and connectivity. Oh, you want to get to transportation? Yeah. I'm holding this for the end. Oh, that's the end? I'm holding it because I know that's what you want to talk about. No, I want to talk about everything. So let's, let's, uh, so we talked about one big industry. So we talked about LNG. So now let's move to the other thing that's on the other side of the of the, the behemoth the, uh, the behemoth as... that is known as Garibaldi at Squamish or now Garibaldi Squamish or right. they're going to change the name again to something more uh, Squamish Nation because they've been working with them quite uh, intensely right. to get their assessment together um, okay I put it to you just like I did the LNG Garibaldi Squamish what about it what about it? Well, let's just open the trunk, the Pandora's box on this one and make some friends and some enemies in the community. Honestly, You're a politician. I know I'm, I'm now becoming a politician. Isn't yeah. this wonderful? I think I'm doing a good job in terms of Garibaldi, Garibaldi Squamish or, yeah. or let's just call it gas because that's how I know it. Is it? No, you don't want, you've talked to Rod and Rod has changed the name on us. Rod, I, did, I did a podcast with Rod and, and he's like, yeah, we really don't like the name gas. No, because it But you can call it as you like. It's, you yeah. can call it whatever you want. Yeah. Well, because I keep mixing up Garibaldi Springs with yeah. Garibaldi Squamish because it's now GSGS, I've right? I've been doing that too. But anyway, so. so so back to the point. So you want me to commit to my, how I feel about um, a potential ski hill on, on the hill. Well, 365 um, Resort. Yeah. Right. 365 Resort. That's a better name for it. We should call it that. Um, this is a, this is also one of those things where I've been in Squamish now for 20 years. And, and that is, this has been an issue that we have been talking about from the day I set foot here. And um, will it ever happen is the question, right? We have they some, seem closer now well, to this now inception. We yeah. Well, absolutely. Because we've got the Aquilinis, we have the Gallardis, and we have the backing, the financial backing to make it potentially um, a reality. Um, I've been to a few public hearing meetings. I've looked at the plans. I am very concerned about the water. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, sorry, Marcus, I'm really concerned about transportation. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. We're going to get there. Um, 
I, it's, it's a great first step. Um, yeah. Definitely, I hear from a lot of people that for uh, economically, that they are in support of it. They can see this as high paying jobs, um, a way to get people into Squamish. Um, and if we were to um, bring it into the fold of the district of Squamish, that we would then be able to get the revenues and taxes, you know, maybe have a satellite fire hall, some schools, that sort of thing. Um, I think we're a long way off from that. Right. Um, so at this point, um, am I pro or against? I am neutral. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say I'm neutral is because it's such a big project that I definitely would suggest my feeling would be that we would take it to the people. Um, it would be a referendum question. Oh, you're, you're jumping to the punch here. Thank you. I was yeah. about to get to that. Yeah, I would like a referendum. Um, it's not just for me to decide. It's not just for mayor and council to decide. It's for the community to decide. And maybe when we do that referendum, because referendums also don't come cheap, there'll be some other it's questions also very on divisive. the table. Referendums become very divisive. Yeah. It becomes us versus them sort of mentality. That's right. And that's and I and that's why I don't like to play that game. That shouldn't be. There's there's no there's no bad or good to any of this. There's a discussion, and then in terms of being in politics, um, our job is to represent the people. Right. And then when the people speak, whether we like it or not. That's our job is to listen to the people. It's the people amongst themselves. As a politician, I know you have to understand both sides and then weigh both sides and then basically, which is great about having a referendum because then it also includes engagement. Referendums actually prove that we have a higher people engagement than just having meetings. Right. right? So you do point the question, you say, do we want to do this? My concerns with, with gas is, is mainly when we take those lands or we apply to take those lands, how much is that going to cost us? Because I don't think that was ever been broached. And the fact that the SLR doesn't really want to do anything with it right. and the province won't let them become and Whistler their own. doesn't want to have anything to well, do with that. Well, the province doesn't want them to be their own uh, municipal, um, their own resort municipality. Right. And so... Preferably. But they would go that route. It, well, it would be a lot more legwork, right? Because then they would have to put in a lot more of the amenities. They have to put in a lot more of the uh, the help that we would help them with. They would need to put in themselves and we were looking at higher costs, right? Mm. So regardless of whether we say yes or no in a referendum, it's, it's the fact that they have to go through all these hoops for us to to join with us and that's one big red flag for me it's like if you're so concerned and you're all not if you're also like your 40 your 40 criteria for your assessment is all great then why do you need us sort of thing why do you want to inject money to us why don't you become your own municipal so that to me is like why do you need me sort of right question is what i bring up when it comes to uh, gas but uh another thing what what Another thing that concerns me is the infrastructure, mm -hmm. right? We're going to be building, they're going to be building four phases up to 22,000 beds, right? So what if it falls flat on its face? But then we've also got to keep in mind this out of the discussion's sake is that this is not going to happen tomorrow. Oh, exactly. Um, and as I say, 20 years, it hasn't happened at all. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're, we're now with a whole new group of people with backing it. And it's been, it's great to have Rod at the helm of this because Rod is a fantastic Rod, man. I don't know if anyone knows this. Maybe you touched, I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear your podcast yet on with Rod because mm -hmm. I've heard more than enough from the horse's mouth, <laughs> but Rod definitely has experience throughout the corridor out of Whistler. He's worked right. in Squamish um, at the district of Squamish. So I do believe that in Janice Brown, of course, um, there's a lot of great people. Gord Addison, shout out to Gord. Um, they're doing a really good job trying to engage people. Um, but I do not believe that we're any closer to this happening. And right. I'm going to leave my, my conversation on this at referendum. Nice. That's that's where I usually leave it with the other candidates. Referendum. But 
someone who's definitely against the uh, is definitely against the development is is Whistler, and and I'm sure the mayor they claim Mayor and Whistler Jack Crompton is not a big fan of this whole Garibaldi Squamish, but Jack has been receptive to opening up a Squamish on a few issues like transportation. Right. See, I told you we'll get the okay. Transportation. Now we're going to get to transportation. That's right. So get into transportation. Ah, <laughs> what a Pandora's box that is, isn't it? Well, let's go back to this. Forty-five okay. percent of our community is commuting to Whistler and Vancouver every day. Um, so we really do need to have sit down with the communities, municipalities. And when I was with, uh, on the chamber, uh, we have to also draw in North Vancouver. We have to draw in West Vancouver for this conversation because that is where the people are going. They're actually having this discussion down in North Vancouver right now, the chamber level in that, you know, um, this whole transportation thing is affecting all of us. Right. So I would like to get all stakeholder groups in one room, um, you know, make a, make a committee that, um, you know, analyzes this so that we can make a strategic plan moving forward. Right. We can't just throw money at, um, at buses all the time because that's just not realistic. Um, but that being said, we have a lot of innovation coming on with EV. Um, so and car sharing programs. So maybe there's something, another innovative way to look at this problem aside from putting people on buses all the time. Um, we do have buses up for tourism. That's another one. Are we going to well, talk Greyhound, about tourism? Greyhound is shutting down, right? Yeah, so, Greyhound I mean, is shutting down and that yeah. is, that is a real disappointment for our community. I know my son used to use it quite a bit to get up and down to Whistler. Um, so we, seriously, we've got to sit down at the table uh, and we have to discuss about a strategic plan and we can't just be thinking about just the highway. Um, I'm thinking about an airport. Um, right. We've got an airport. We're blessed to have an airport here, a general airport in Squamish. Um, this was also a contentious subject about 25, 30 years ago. Um, I believe I think Bill McNinney was running for council or candidate at the time. And he was saying, let's, let's um, expand our, our, our airport. Um, and the community shot that down um, because they didn't like having airplanes in Brackendale and they, you know, were scaring the Eagles, but um, you know, they found that Eagles aren't that overly scared. They're still wintering Well, it there. depends on what kind of size planes yeah, you well, want landing not, there. We're not looking at Boeing 747s <laughs> here, Marcus. We're, um, I mean, Harbor Air. We've got the, the Harbor Air has set up uh, their home here by yeah. the Eagle Run. Uh, they're bringing in helicopters back and forth for their, their own personal use. So um, I would like to, when I was at Harbor Air dropping my son off, he goes to UVEC. Um, you know, it's, why aren't you, why don't you have a branch out here, or a float plane or use, utilize our airport and they were saying oh the winds the winds let's all come on we should really be thinking about a regional a regional airport maybe um that's another committee i'd like to nominate ron sanders um to uh <laughs> that committee uh he he's been talking about you know modeling it on langley um so it's, we're not talking yvr we're talking a regional airport and that would hopefully be able to get some and what would you like off. to service with your regional airport here vancouver whistler uh, nanaimo victoria Kelowna, Kamloops. Okay. Well, it's just we're so close to Whistler. Anyway. That's true. That's true. Okay. Right. I'm. I haven't. I haven't met with my committee yet. Oh, um, the, the one and, that you're going to form, uh, right? The one that we will form. No, we we have a, we've we've got a lot of opportunity here. Yeah. We also haven't looked at the um the. The, the boating. Um, there's also a feasibility study looking into the railway. Um, so when we're talking about transportation issues, we can't just look at the just the highway 
Well, of course, we are going to have to. Um, I'm not saying we're not going to, but we do have other opportunities, and I think they're very exciting. I agree with you. I mean, the airport, I never thought of the airport as as one of those things where we can access. But, yeah, it would be be actually kind of awesome to to hop on a plane, head to Kelowna, or hop on a plane and go straight to Victoria without having to deal with the ferries, right? And you're taking a a car off the road to do so and And cut down your time. They don't have to deal with BC ferries. Sorry, just build a bridge already. But anyway, um, that's another another (laughs) podcast. That's not my uh, jurisdiction. I I know. That's another podcast for another time. That's right. Okay. But, um, but with a rail, I've seen rail come up a few times now. And my, how would, how would you put a pen in place to use the rail? Because I know freight cars are get priority than than passenger cars, yeah. right? So it's it's you you won't be able to have a regular schedule. You know what I mean? You won't yeah. have it's. it's I, I'm not placing all my eggs in that basket, yeah. and I'll put on my um, my past hat with the Sea to Sky Highway Improvement Project. One of the first things that I, my homework that I had to do before I uh, got on the job was read um, a study that was done uh, back, I believe it was in 2003, um, about the feasibility for rail, and um, they saw that it could be, but economically speaking, not particularly viable um but i guess the conversation i'd like to have is innovation again um it doesn't necessarily have to be um the railway car that we're seeing now Um, maybe we could use the infrastructure that's there um hey i'm not i'm not an engineer so i would like to sit down with an engineer and let's just see what we can do there's a you know pie in the sky let's think about it let's talk about it you know don't don't discount it but at this point not feasible so now we're coming around full circle. And before we get to what I was talking about at the beginning, let's get to tourism. Okay. Uh, because, I mean, we're talking about transportation. We're talking about building. We're talking about bringing people here and to enjoy Great Squamish. Mm. Tourism brings in a certain amount of money to the town. And <laughs> and there's some, some developments uh, or some plans in place to sort of uh, accentuate tourism. What would, you, what would you do to sort of get the ball rolling and bringing more people into town? A disclaimer, I am a Tourism Squamish member. Um, I have done my part to bring people into town. I did the Squamish Street Market. I was told um, by certain people who shall remain nameless that um, nobody will come downtown to Squamish. That being said, I did a survey, because I do surveys, um, and I I actually (laughs) pulled all the people downtown, the business owners, on a Sunday and found that only 17 out of 54 businesses were open in a two-block radius. I also found out that the average time for them to be open was between 11 and 2 p.m. And uh, I asked them, well, do you have tourists that come down here? Are are we kind of flogging a dead horse? There's nobody coming down. Well, of course people are coming down. And they come down to the maybe... a handful of the shops that are actually still open during the times that they're open and the tourists are actually saying and I'm going to have to keep my language clean um, there you know the quote is, is is this all there is to do in downtown um, and so when we put on our street market once a month uh, between June and, and September we, we had tourists saying to us thank you so much and business owners saying thank you so much you've given people a reason to park their car to get out of their car and to walk from one end of downtown to the other and we actually found that people were coming from all points uh, south and north to come check out Squamish because they had a reason to stay for more than five minutes and then go back up on the highway and leave right so um, that's that's me blowing my own horn but in terms of (laughs) tourism Squamish I think we definitely need to support them Um, one of the criticisms can we go out there and be critical um 
it's not support. We're not supporting tourism in our community when we don't have a toilet to go to the toilet. So if someone's yeah. going to pull over on uh, pull over downtown, uh, we definitely have to make sure that the bank of three toilets for women. I've never been in the men's toilet at the um, at the Squamish Arts Council building. I have no idea how many toilets yeah. do you have. Well, one, two, well, three. There's, there's the two and the and the two. Urinals, yeah. Two urinals. Okay, so you, four people can be in there at once. So when we have big events <laughs> and all this sort of thing, or, or people are coming in on a yeah. busy, sunny, beautiful day. I in never December, thought I'd be talking or, about urinals on my podcast. But I okay. talk about feces a lot. I'm afraid, That's, but right. I know my life is sad because I care. Um, but no, we definitely need toilets because that yeah. kind of is an offshoot. Because then I go out to the spit, which I love spending time at, and I am sick and tired of seeing feces on the ground, and they're not dog feces. So to support tourism, we. We definitely need to have toilets. Um, we definitely need to have good parking because if people are not going to be driving around and around and around, um, and we need to um, support tourism Squamish in terms of their revenues collected. I don't. You're probably aware about the um, M. Oh my goodness, this is another acronym for goodness sake. The, so many. the, the marketing, the marketing dollars, the yeah. MRDT. Um, they, you know, that the municipality. I don't know if any of your listeners are aware, but the district of Squamish collects the taxes from the um, hotel providers in yep. our community, and um, there's now a threat, threat quote unquote, because of course affordable housing is another issue. That's right. Um, is that the so you're the, making the circle for me? Thank you. Yeah. So, so well, because I, mm. I maybe I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm being funny. Um, but seriously, uh, with those with those marketing dollars um, for that they're that they're taking from. Um, from the tour from the hotel providers mm-hmm. um there's now a conversation that the district might take those dollars the, the the province has given them the opportunity to say whether they want to give it to tourism tourism outlets like specifically tourism squamish and i would like to say officially that if i were on council if elected to council we're giving those dollars right back to tourism squamish we're not taking them for affordable housing this is that's not the right line item um, we've got other opportunities to leverage affordable housing, BC housing, uh, the province, nonprofits, etc. But tourism, Squamish really needs some support. Um, and uh, I, I would also agree it. the Arts Council, Squamish Arts Council could use some help too, especially some venues where, where we can create spaces for performances and that also increases tourism. Yeah, no, I would support that. I mean, with the Squamish Historical Society, I'm all about arts and culture. My son is studying art at UVic, so absolutely. I mean, the mural project downtown, fantastic, salmon all over the place, banners. Those are absolutely wonderful. Um, is that part of my mandate? I know that there's other candidates that are. I would be ob- obviously in support of it, but um, we definitely need to segue back to tourism and support them because if that's what we're going to be doing, if that's one of the plans for economic um, diversification, they need the support. They need more money. And I, I agree with that, but that's why I come down to being fair and balanced, right? We need to sort of grow and, and balance everything equally because, I mean, if you don't have the affordable housing, there's going to be no one serving the tourists. We're going to have no... And, ser- it's, and, and sorry, Marcus, to jump on you, and this is yeah. another thing, is it's, it, there's different levels of housing as well. So you've got the affordability for families to stay here. You've also got the option for staff housing. You need a spectrum, uh, yeah. You also need to be able to have people in crisis. So you need to have homes where women maybe have to run away from a bad relationship in the middle of the night. And they're so, building a new one the 
helping hands, I think, down yeah, on third. There's right? under yeah, there's under one roof. Yeah, under so one roof. Under one right. roof. Are those yeah. enough beds? That's another question, but it's a great start. <laughs> so um, when we talk about affordability, it's not just in a vacuum. Um, there's different levels of it. And um, I think the, you know, the community needs to be made aware of it so that we can differentiate between those topics. Well, we connect, I think, the tourism with, with uh, the housing issue is also the Airbnb issue. Yeah. The Airbnb. Yep. Where there's... Uh, you we know, need to check that out. Absolutely. There's a lot like, of spaces that are being taken up by Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And, and Actually, just down the road, just over there. Mm-hmm. That's happening right now. I have yeah. that in my cul-de-sac. There is two, two townhouses that are exclusively Airbnb. And they come in and you don't know who they are and you don't know what they're going to do to the place. And, you know, do you have to lock up your children or, uh, you know, and what is their contribution back? Are they being taxed at the same rate as a a homeowner, as a hotel? Um, See, that's what I'm saying. There's some outdated bureaucracy. Future is now. Uh, We've got different technologies. So if Airbnb, definitely we need a strategy for that. Yeah, and just there's a case study in Tofino where basically they said, all right, we're going to need to call on this Airbnb. We need to sort of rein it in. And what happened was that people who own property basically said, if I can't do short term, I'm not doing any rentals. They just took their place off the market. So, I mean, and then that's at that point, you're hindering tourists from coming into that's town, right. right? So, well, and that's once again another, another wonderful committee. And I, it's not just a committee, like, I, I would say it's, it's just, it's getting feedback from people that are actually dealing with that. Like I say, I don't deal with Airbnb. My home is not an Airbnb. That being said, that doesn't mean I can't represent the interests of people that have an Airbnb. Yeah, they have to pay their mortgage like have, everybody else. That's right. Yeah. And that kind of dovetails back to the parking thing because like parking, um, when you've got carriage homes, when you've got Airbnbs, when you've got homes exactly. that are rentals, you've got a lot of other issues that come along with A lot more vehicles. It. A lot more vehicles, a lot more garbage, a lot more this and that. So and you're, you're helping me make the point that it's not just a singular issue. It's sort no. of a, it's a homogenous sort of thing that we have to work together and manage that growth. But isn't everything? True enough. It's just it's just sort of getting that making that point home. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's that. It's taking that patchwork of that quilt I'm talking about, (laughs) and 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 then editing it down to be a beautiful squamish at the end of the day, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, there's anything that uh, we we haven't covered that you'd like to throw in there? Um, Back to the transportation, we haven't touched more uh, closely on connectivity and I think it's time for downtown to have a second entrance in and out. Um, from my understanding, the waterfront landing proposal, um, had is that just a pedestrian walk there? No, there's no, there's, there was, we have a pedestrian walk at Victoria, downtown mm-hmm. Victoria is going in. So we're removing a parking lot for that. Um, so that will just be walking, but, um, legally, <laughs> uh, from the ministry of transportation infrastructure, because of waterfront landing, we definitely need to have another, um, entrance in and out of town. And so, um, I'm hearing rumblings of there that wasn't dealt with properly. And okay. I don't want taxpayers on the hook for this. This is another conversation to have with the Ministry of Transportation, another conversation to have mm-hmm. with the community um, in that we need to be able to get in and out of downtown. And I don't think the taxpayers are the ones that need to be burdened with it. And the same thing with Valley Cliff. It's the one way in, exactly. one way out. Well, yeah, exactly. A lot it's, of growth, a lot of sprawl. Yeah. It's one of those things where there are opportunities. I mean, there is that, that dirt road that you know, with the estuary road that it could be paved possibly to add another way in. Uh, but yeah, a bridge would be would be best. I and think. even for pedestrians, um, we've got this lovely um, trail for bike riders and for pedestrians to walk up and down the valley. That was this 
Sea to Sky Highway Improvement Project paid for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the thing is, it's not lit in some places, so it's not safe. As well as that, we've had some fatalities with people on the highway late at night. Um, we need to have some overpasses. We need some interchanges, and we probably need them now. And so, once again, Ministry of Transportation and Infrastructure, let's right. get them down to the table and say we're not, you know, the taxpayer shouldn't be, you know, the local taxpayer shouldn't be on the hook because that is who is on the hook at this point. Um, and we really need to figure that out. One idea was proposed uh, that maybe that we should move Municipal Hall to Brennan Park. And so therefore we can sort of pool funds with the province and local and local uh, money so we can actually build Brennan Park the way we want to include a Municipal Hall there. And then even maybe move the high school over there so we get everything and then move the uh, elementary school to the high school. So you're getting them away from that building. And then you sort of have a big area in Brennan Park that's your municipal hall, your high school, and and so they can do activities and sport activities. But you're taking it away from the downtown. And I would say, if they do that, I would say blow up the municipal building and put a parkade right there. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I've actually heard is um, the, the latest innovation with parking lots is um, underground. You go underground. But um, at this point, have you checked out our financial statements at the district? We don't have any money. That's that's what I'm saying. We've got no money. So how about we deal with the issues that we can deal with right now in the short term Mm -hmm. and that we make a strategic plan on how to deal with um, making Muni Hall a better place and Brennan Park a better place? Is it leveraging? Is it corporate sponsors? Is it nonprofit? Is it the government? Back to the patchwork quilt. What are your priorities? Make a strategic plan and make sure that we're, we're doing that properly. All right, Bianca, how do people get a hold of you? Well, if they want to get a hold of me, I have a website. It's uh, biancapeters.ca. Uh, there's a contact. You can drop me an email and I will get back to you as soon as I, I can. Um, if you can go to Facebook, because Facebook is great. Elect Bianca Peters. You can message me. We can go have a chat. Um, I've got some events coming up. Um, I don't know when this is going to air specifically, but if you go to Elect Bianca Peters or BiancaPeters.ca, I have an event section and we can uh, meet up and chat. And I really look forward to meeting more people in the community and what, what their issues are and what affects them. Thanks for doing this, Bianca. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Cheers. This is the Sea to Sky podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky Podcast. Thank you for clicking us on 